this is Lisa Harden, and today we're starting our podcast, Poison Bald and Still Standing. Uh, I have a guest with me today. It's Andrea Maynard. We're going to talk to her about her diagnosis. She's recently been diagnosed and kind of going through treatment right now for cancer. And so we're um, going to just sit back and talk about what we've been going through, and hopefully we're going to help somebody going through the same thing that's just been diagnosed. So Andrea, um, I'm going to let you just start out with giving me a little bit of information about your diagnosis, kind of leading up to it, what made you go get checked, and then a little bit about your diagnosis and what's happening. Oh, thanks. First of all, thanks, Lisa, for having me, and hopefully we can reach and help somebody today. But a little bit about myself is um, my son was getting married a year ago, and I started this routine of working out like we all do. We want to look our best for uh, either a reunion or for a wedding. And I went to work out with a personal trainer, and I was like, what is wrong with me? I just can't even get through the workout. And I knew something in my head was wrong, but I thought, it's age, it's menopause, you know, accept it, Andrea, you're just getting older. And uh, then I started just really getting, just really losing my luster and not wanting to do anything. And you don't really look when you go to the bathroom of, you know, what's in the toilet and I started going wow I'm bleeding am I bleeding from my rear or am I bleeding from my female parts where am I bleeding and I didn't have any pain and I just kind of watched it and I thought wow I'm really bleeding and then I didn't feel good and I had major stomach cramps and I called my son he took me I don't have a doctor so I found just a doctor that I had gone to see about hormones and they sent me for a CT scan and gave me an antibiotic because they thought it was diverticulitis because, you know, everybody has Pretty a form common. of that, very mm -hmm. common. And I've always had problems with my stomach, but nothing outrageous, you know, nothing, you know, I just, nothing outrageous. So I went, you have the CT scan, and, yep, that's what they said. You have diverticulitis, but you need to probably go get a colonoscopy. I'm like, okay. And so I didn't really want to take the antibiotics because I don't take medications and I thought I can just change my diet you know really eat differently and this will heal and I'll get this and then I'll go get the colonoscopy now that didn't work you know it just it was painful and it kept on and finally I said I'm going to take the antibiotics so I started the antibiotic and I was to go get the colonoscopy that Friday and I called them and I'm like well I'm doing this cleanse and I'm taking an antibiotic and they're like oh no you have to wait at least four weeks after you're healed us to do the oh, colonoscopy wow. so the anticipation is going up because I know in my heart someone like what you had shared with me that there's something you wrong. just know you just know there's something wrong this isn't normal yeah I might have diverticulitis but this isn't normal because it's not reacting to everything that you're trying to do so fast forward I go and have the colonoscopy and wasn't worried because I thought they're going to tell me how to treat diverticulitis or take mm -hmm. out a polyp. And I had a great doctor, young doctor, walked in. I was there with my uh, sis my daughter-in-law and a you know baby. And he walked in. He goes, I am so sorry, but you have a five-centimeter tumor in your anal, colorectal cancer. Yeah. And I just looked at him in disbelief. You know, oh, yeah, right. And he goes, yeah, I'm 100% sure that it is cancer I went ahead and took a biopsy and I tattooed you so I have a true tramp stamp you know I'm yeah. like okay and um, that's where my journey began 
It's so crazy because I've heard this story so many times from people, and it happened to me, just like you said. You just know. Mm -hmm. You know before you hear, you know. And I I think we're, as women, or I I don't know, men may be the same way, but I can only speak for myself and women, we're so in tune to our bodies that I knew going into it. So it's just weird. I hear this so many times. Well, we have the best doctor within. You do. You just know know, know what works and what's not working right in your body and how you feel and how you normally would feel and... And we tend to be a little more proactive, and men seem, to, you know, they're a little more reactive because yeah. they're supposed to be strong and hide everything. Right. But, uh, we well, and I'll just tell you real quick about what happened to me, too. I mean, I went into my, for my um, doctor's appointment telling my doctor I have cancer, and she looked at me like I was crazy and said, no, you don't. And I was, she said, it could be a million other things. I said, I understand that, but I, I just know I do. And the day of my biopsy, the same thing, I was like, she said, are you, I started crying as soon as I was done with the biopsy. And she said, are you crying because you're in pain or are you crying because you're scared? And I said, I'm scared because I know I have cancer. And she goes, Lisa, there's a million other things it could be. And she starts reeling off all these things it could be. And I'm sitting there going, no, I got gotcha. you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. But I know. And sure enough, three yeah. days later, that's the worst thing, you know, the first conversation yeah, we have. we have an innate intelligence, you know, that our body, we've, we're born with our body. I mean, we've been with our body. I'm, I'm 55, and I know, and you've got to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I probably let mine, I didn't go get my five-year annual colonoscopy, and it was eight years, and possibly if I would have gone two years, three years prior to that, it would have been just a polyp that they could have been removed. Mm-hmm. So, big word of advice yeah and that's the thing i say that all the time just know your body and get checked but we're all very busy and we all it's it's so easy and i did it for two years too where it that it's something else it's not what it what it seems like it is and we don't get checked and we just sort of get busy and kind of push on the back burner and then a week later all of a sudden it's you're still feeling something you still know it's there yeah it's i mean I, i can only say a million times just know your body and and if there's something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. 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 And then if you do get checked and it is okay, then you you're just relieved. Right. Right. So you were diagnosed several year, months ago. I was diagnosed September okay, of 2017, end of September. So you've come through some treatment. So talk about your treatments so, a little bit. What um, with colorectal cancer, they want to shrink the tumor before they can actually do surgery. The best, uh, you know, if they can take a an organ out or if they can take a tumor out if it is operable uh, they want to do that but mine was too large so I had to do a uh, treatment of radiation and oral chemo together combined to help shrink the tumor so it would be operable and I did that Uh, I wanted to wait till after Christmas but in my heart I felt you know I need to do something because I was starting to feel pressure and pain down there and I didn't want to be laying in bed at home and have an obstruction so I listened to my body once again and said okay I'm ready to start and it was probably the most frightening thing I've ever done and I went by myself I thought you know I can do this it's not that big a deal I mean it's humbling to say the least I mean when they have to check you that's where they check you and when I had to get set up for my radiation you know there's four guys in there and they're laying you on almost like uh, those uh, boards those watering boards but you're the other way inverted like in a downward dog with your butt up in the air literally your butt is up in the air and they're measuring you and tattooing you and drawing on you and you're like what they didn't tell me all this I'm like oh my gosh 
But the very first day I went in for my actual radiation treatment, once again, I'm laying there and I've got my head face planted in this thing, you know, like would be much better to get a massage, but it's, right. in, this, uh, it's in this box and I'm looking down and I keep, I'm trying not to cry because I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this going to hurt? Because they shoot you in three different s- spots and it doesn't hurt. And, but there's a lot of noise and I'm l- trying to open up my eyes and stop the tears from going you know, and they knew I was apprehensive, and they knew I was going in there kicking and screaming. And it's not something I wanted to do. I don't think it's anything right. anybody, oh, man, I get to right. get radiation no. today. No, you're what you look yeah. forward to when you wake yeah. up in the morning. Yeah, but, I mean, it was doable, and, um, you know, I did have some challenges with it, but they're all doable. Well, I think what's interesting what you say is, like, it is, I think any cancer diagnosis and treatment, it's all very humbling, and it's all, most of the time, not it's embarrassing a lot of times and very someone that's a very private person and i think anybody you talk to in my life would tell you i'm extremely private but when you you go through so much and your surgeries invasive and the conversations around the you know with uterine cancer it's it's and the same with your colorectal cancer it's all of a sudden you don't care you just talk about whatever it is what it is it's saving your life it is funny because when i first got it i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna have to tell everybody i've got cancer of the butt (laughs) and i thought and now i don't really care i'm i'm a very private person as well and here we sit on a podcast and now i'm on a podcast things change but you know i really hope i can help somebody because i've you know it's been humbling and i just keep moving forward and yeah there's days that you just want to cry and you're sitting in the bathtub or getting dressed and you're by yourself and your mind really will take over and I've just decided I'm not gonna let that happen well and we were talking earlier um and I was saying to Andrea just trying to explain once you're diagnosed and once you have continued living through the treatment and after treatment and you know I'm three months out after treatment and trying to it's always like even though they say I'm cancer free and and thankfully I think I am but there's always that there's that curtain as I try to describe it so I was describing to her it's like you know you're we we wake up every day with the with the happiness of what our future is you're always kind of looking forward you're planning your future it's your spring break or it's another trip and and once you're diagnosed and it is for me and I think Andrea you agreed Mm -hmm. there is a you can't see the future like there's a curtain you're scared to see the future you don't want to plan and be disappointed that you can't fulfill fulfill it yes and but i you know i want to keep dreaming and i want to keep living sure and you know i'm in the middle of mine i still have a long road i have surgery ahead of me right i have chemo afterwards i have a drastic surgery next week um but I've got to trust the surgeons, and I've got to trust the choices that I've made. Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to them because this, you know, they're the experts on it. But I also listen to my heart and my body once again. I mean, I think that's the theme of this yeah. podcast is to listen to yourself. But don't let fear overcome you. I mean, there there's so much hope out there, and there's so much worse. I mean, I was really feeling down, and I looked at somebody, and they didn't have any legs. Or they can't see somebody that's blind or been blind from birth or couldn't have children. I mean, I've experienced so much joy in my life. And and something we talked about before is I've never been sick. I don't even have a doctor. And I eat a very healthy lifestyle. I work out. So you just never know. But, you know, I do know the cause of your cancer is your cure. And you need to get to the root cause of your cancer. And, And I think I've 
come to mind is oh, I don't deal with stress easily. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of stressful things happen to me, you know, major life-changing stress factors that happened to me four years ago. And that's probably when, you know, my immune system said, hey, I can't handle all this and I can't fight this cancer either, so I'm going to let it grow. Yeah, you mentioned that you went, you took oral chemo. I did. Talk about the the symptoms of that and how that affected your everyday life since <laughs> it was oral versus. Well, it, it's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started reading it, once I got it, I'm like, and then of course I went to the internet and it, you know because it's all no, and I went there and I and they kept saying this is a super strong dose, and so then I was doubting my doctor and. When you go in, they give you, and it's just they have to, they give you all the possibilities of side effects. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, just like on the advertisement when they advertise a drug and then they give you all the side effects. You're like, heck, I wouldn't take that for nothing. I'll deal with the problem versus the side effects. Right. And that's kind of how I was thinking because they were telling me my skin, my hand and feet, they're going to peel. I'm going to get sores all in my mouth. You're going to have bladder because it's going to. You're going to have bladder infections, and, you know, you're going to have diarrhea. You're going to be nauseous and all these things. And I didn't. I mean, I I really cleaned up my diet, and I cut out meat. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a vegetarian, and it's not because of this. Right. I knew my body couldn't process meat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have an intestinal, you know, it's not processing it. So let's give it a break. So I did a lot of juices to give my colon a break. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought an infrared sauna, and I loved that. They gave me a lot of relief. It relaxed me. It produced a lot of sweat, which it would get a lot of toxins out. Mm -hmm. Um, The side effects from the oral chemo, what happened is they give you oral chemo with the radiation because synergistically they work together to shrink Mm -hmm. the tumor. And that was their goal, to shrink the tumor. Um, To me, it was like get rid of the cancer, but their goal was to shrink the uh, the tumor Mm -hmm. to make it operable. So you could, yeah. Yeah, and it worked. Um, And they also, when you have colorectal cancer, they want to shrink it where it goes up so they can still keep a large portion of your bodily functions because I don't, you know, one of my big fears is to have a colostomy bag the rest of my life um, as a female right. that is single it's that's just you, a, that's, you know that's not how I want to live the yeah. rest of my life so I was all in to let's shrink this thing so I can get it cut out of me and not have a bag the rest of my life so I had to I had to pick and choose you know because I was totally against it I was going to do all natural I was going to do everything natural but I do think that those two worlds can collide and blend yeah and very you need nicely. to be as very nicely yeah. and I think your mindset, I mean, there's essentials that you have to live by, you know, your mindset, your nutrition, your exercise, detoxing, Mm -hmm. and and I live by those five essentials. So I know a lot because of where I work and what I do, and I I enjoy it, and I like helping other people, but it's not the cure-all. So I had to go to modern medicine, and it it worked. Um, I just went to my surgeon, and he said, wow. I can't find, you know, through an exam, a rectal exam. He's like, I'm having trouble finding your tumor. This is amazing. Wow, that's awesome. Yes. So I'm scheduled for a full hysterectomy next week uh, because with colorectal cancer, with mine, it had broken through the colon wall, and it was knocking on the uterus door and probably, you know, would like to stay there as well and go (laughs) and explode into your uterus, as you well know. Right. So I was stage three. Okay. And then they give you A, B, and C. I was stage 3B with a T4, which is, a, you know, in the big scheme of things, you've got cancer, and it's a big, bad dude. Yeah. 
you know, so you've got to go at, after it aggressively. Aggressively. Well, I was the opposite. Everything they said was going to happen to me on chemo happened to me. Uh-huh. All the bad side effects, I got them all. Yeah. Except that they said my fingernails would fall off and I didn't lose fingernails. Huh. But everything else they told me to the T, I felt. So then you're like, is that in my head or am I really feeling it? Yeah. But, but obviously some of them are physical. Well, it's weird because when you start and they give you all those symptoms, yeah. the, the side effects, I'm like, okay, am I going to wake up tomorrow and my hands are going to be peeling and my hair falling out? Am I right. going to wake up and I'm going to be throwing up? So you plan your week. And you're waiting for this big storm. It's like waiting for the ice storm or waiting for a hurricane. Okay, it's coming, and I've got to get prepared. So I would prepare all this food when I didn't feel good. And, you know, fortunately for me, I... I think I, I know I didn't feel good. My family says, you didn't feel good. But I look back now and go, it could have been so much worse. And I, it's, you know, I relate it to having a baby. When you have your baby, you're like, I'll never have another one. And then as you go forward with the happiness that I got through that, yeah. you're like, okay, it was not as bad as I thought it was. It could have been worse. Yeah. And I know yours was much no, worse. No, I feel, I feel like it was totally the worst thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yours was worse. I and I, I, I'm still up, you know, to have intervening. Still have, yeah. I still have a road to go, you and still, I'm sure yeah. my road's tough. But, you know, I'm going to go in very positively yeah. and have a good mindset. I will tell you the craziest part of it after afterwards is how your body does heal itself oh, it's and amazing. snaps back. Yeah. I, I saw my oncologist a month after my last treatment, and I was already at that point saying, and I know it doesn't happen to everybody, so I don't want to paint this positive picture because he even said it to me. I said, man, your body is strong how it comes back, and you feel I felt good after a month, and he goes, well, that's not normal. Not right. everybody snaps back like that. So I don't want to paint an unrealistic picture, but for me – in my experience, my body kicked into gear, into high gear after my last treatment, and I really recovered, you know, initially with how I felt because I was so sick. So to be a month out and feeling so good, I still have a lot of, you know, leftover problems that are going to last for a while. But that initial feeling your body go, okay, we're done, now we can heal itself was such a great feeling yes. and something I didn't, I thought it was going to be, you know, months well, before I started feeling better. You never really appreciate your health till you oh lose it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you for know. Sure. And I always just took it. You know, I've I've always been extremely healthy, never sick. You know, yeah, I had the menstrual problems, and I did have a lot of stomach aches. I was very vain and never wanted to go to the bathroom anywhere but home. You know, but I, I'm not going to say that I wasn't sick, but I'm not going to have that be my identity. Sure. And you know, and when I talk to people, I haven't told a lot of people about my cancer. So getting on this podcast is really eye-opening to me but I just I just don't want people to think oh my gosh because I don't think oh my gosh yeah you know I have a will to heal yeah and that's that's 80 percent of the battle yeah and I think everybody tell me that going into it they're like your attitude because I had I was just freaked out I mean I was the same way as you are I've never been sick I'd never had surgery I'd never been in the hospital I never had I didn't have any kind of ailments of any kind maybe a cold every once in a while but not even that often yeah so to get that information and I got you know really bad news in the beginning that ended up not being true but so I cried all the time and I was hysterical all the time and I had people telling me all the time is that 80 percent of your attitude is what's going to help you and Mm -hmm. I remember thinking at the time you take the attitude Mm -hmm. buddy I don't need to hear that I'm sick and I don't feel well but I looking back on it now because I did have a positive attitude and I did forge forward even though I didn't feel like it that was 
1,000% of how I got through it was my attitude. Well, the problem is it can consume your every Absolutely. thought. And that's okay. You need to be proactive on what's going on with you so you have a say in your treatment. I mean, they're going to tell you things, and, and Lisa and I talked about this. You're, you've got to trust your doctors, but you also, this is your body. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they, you, you are the captain of the ship. They might be doing the rudder, and they might be saying there's a storm ahead, there's, you know, the calm seas ahead, but you are still the captain. And if you don't feel right, don't do it. You know, I, they wanted me to start radiation way before than I did, than I actually started, because I had family coming in that I haven't seen in five years, and that was important to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I had to pick and choose that's going to clear my mind and give me a very positive experience right. that's going to have a healing environment in my body. Yeah, and then I'll go at, after my fight. But you have to listen to your heart. And you have to, when I first got diagnosed, there was so much coming after me. I felt like a cat that had just been sprayed. I was all over the place. I mean, I had natural cures. I was going to go to New Mexico. I was going to go to Germany. I was going to go to Spain. I was going to go here. I was going to go there. I was going to get this vitamin. You know, I was eating apricot kernels. I was going to Colorado. I was going to get me some marijuana. You know, I was going to do anything it took because I had read all this stuff. And then I got focused. Yeah. Because the one thing that I can say, and it goes back to what we were just speaking about, everybody is made differently. Mm-hmm. Everybody's cell. How I'm going to react to something you might not react True. to. True. Okay? You might have a chemo drug that, great. You know, there's only tests, and they'll tell you that. We have tested this chemo drug, and it's worked for 80% of the people. Right. Exactly. Well, I did take a second step and go get tested and get my cells tested to see if this chemo drug would work for me. And the one they wanted didn't work. So we switched it, mm-hmm. and I've had great results. But, uh, you know, it also said that, like, frankincense oil had no reaction or this type of medicine had no reaction. So you have to do your own discovery. Mm -hmm. Don't get on the Internet and read all the terrible because that will scare you to death. Right. And I was doing that right before my surgery, and I was having nightmares, and I couldn't sleep. And so what I switched it, and it's a completely different mindset than getting on the Internet and reading the statistics of death and, right. and and life after five years and don't look at that. Yeah. Don't look at it. Like you said, yeah, you have this black sheet, but she's you know, in front of you for your future sometimes you feel, but live I wake yeah. up every day and live it to the fullest now. Yeah, and we were talking about that earlier, how much and I talk about it all the time, how much this saved me. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say chemo almost killed me but it saved me yeah and it and i in 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 conjunction with that it also how it changes you as a person how you look at life so differently you look at people differently you look at your relationships so differently i think it makes you more aware of everything i mean it makes Mm. you more aware of your job and and your family the beautiful flowers you know coming here i'm like gosh did god paint the city today this is wonderful yeah it's funny and it, it it's hard for people that knew you before Yes. To kind of wrap their brain around it. Well, I'm an office manager of a very, very busy clinic. So I stay focused on all the problems. Mm-hmm. And that puts you in, you know, kind of the grumpy mood. And, you know, it makes you non-approachable. And it also makes you non-vulnerable. And, and we spoke about this. And the hardest thing that I have dealt with through all of this is accepting help. Yeah. 
and accepting true blessings from people that just want to either come over and cook dinner or come over and do something like oh no no I can do it I you don't need I don't want to put you out I don't want to do any of that and I don't want to feel vulnerable but that's always been my problem my whole life is that I've never been vulnerable and I think you have to be and because I think you're humbled then and then that makes you want to go do things for other people because it meant so much to you yeah right but well and and we've you've got two independent single women that mm -hmm. live by ourselves that's just we're just used to fixing things on our own we don't we're, we know how to do it. I mean, I got yeah. a toolbox, and I can fix things Absolutely. myself. But I, and I had that same thing as we talked about earlier. It's, it's. Oh, I mean, even though I didn't need people going to the grocery store for me, I could go to the grocery store. It was good to get out sometimes to go to the grocery store, or I didn't need this, all the help that I got. But at the end of the day, that was their way of helping me, and it made them feel better. Yeah. And so I just gave into it, and I said, you know what? I yes, I do need help, and that was a hard thing for me to do. I think it's frightening too, because I think if you let go, that you're scared that you might not have the strength to do the fight when you're by yourself at night, or when this, you know, if I let them do all this and I open myself up to this help, then maybe when I'm by myself, I'll I might not have the strength. But that's so wrong. It gives you that much more strength because you have so much more gratitude. Well, I think what also I realized through the process is that I don't know that I would be that same person to somebody else. Like, I don't know that I would be the person Absolutely. like I had a friend that brought me every Friday the day of chemo, brought me a gift and left it on my front porch of flowers and magazine to read during chemo. And I'm thinking... I don't know that I'm that, like, am I that person that would do that for somebody else going through this? That's exactly right. Made my mind switch around. It changes your entire mindset. It does, and it, it it makes you look at people differently that you encounter in every day. And now I can be more empathetic with people that have Crohn's disease or have another disease and you know not that I wasn't empathetic before I mean I felt very flattered that I didn't have any of that but now I have it yeah you know but and now gosh darn I'm gonna get through it and I hope I can help other people get through it because it's you you have to have the same circle of influence that's your strength yeah is your circle of influence. I, I remember texting you when I first found out, and I was going and sitting in a hot sauna, sauna, and I was trying to get my text to you really fast before my phone got too hot, mm-hmm. you know. But it was so uplifting to you were at the tail end of your chemo, yeah. and I was at the beginning. I hadn't even started anything, and I was doing things personally that I knew to jumpstart my treatment before yeah. I got into the, the chemo and radiation. Well, it is funny because you're always looking, even after I've been through it now, I'm still looking for what can I do better to keep my body healthy. Yes. And you did all that in the in the upfront, mm-hmm. which I, you know, we talked about. I was the same way. You're like, you, you're just hungry for knowledge. Yes. And you think, well, I got to, I got to go somewhere outside of Tulsa. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. get this done here. Mm-hmm. I have to have the best. I'll fly to New York. I said it to my mom I, I, multiple I, times. I'll get on. I'll fly to New York. I don't care. I'm going to figure out this mm-hmm. cure. And then you do slow down and you realize there's so much here. There is so much here. And that that was one thing I did find. Um, you know, I had sent all my records to MD Anderson's, uh, the one in New York, the mm-hmm. Kettering. And they all said, this is the protocol for your cancer. It's the same thing that you're going to get here. Right. You know, the only things that 
out of the area, like in Germany and Mexico and Nevada, they, that their chemo treatment is done a little differently. differently yeah. Um, you know, they have the Trojan horse effect where they send it in with sugar. So, right. that, you know, because cancer loves sugar. Yeah. You know, so the first thing that anybody that feels in, in any disease, they need to get off sugar. Right. I mean, it is the, it, it, it inflammation is the cause of most disease and mm-hmm. sugar causes inflammation. Yeah. So if you have too much inflammation, that's when you're going to get sick because our body's just has a reaction to go heal that inflammation. And when it's constant, they have to send too much, like cholesterol. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about that, too, at a later podcast because I've started juicing for that very reason. Mm -hmm. Just, again, you're constantly researching. You're constantly trying to figure out what can I do to stay healthy now that I'm past all that. Now it's just trying to flush the chemo out. Absolutely. Which takes and it, a long time. It does. The detoxing and, you know, there's a lot of things to detox and, and juicing is one of the best. Yeah. You know, to give your body a rest. Um, you know, everybody says pulp or no pulp and, you know, no pulp's better if you really want to give your body a rest. Yeah. And, and I'm going to do a podcast on that because I do just for, again, this is, this podcast is about what I went through and yeah, what absolutely. my guests went through. It's not, we're not saying that this is what you have to do to survive this, but it's what's working for me and what's working for you, all the things that you did pre-surgery. Uh, well, Again, it's just what what we think worked for us, and everybody has their own because everybody's different. You're going to get slammed. Oh, you're yeah, gonna everybody has an opinion. You're going to absolutely get slammed with stuff to do, and people are going to look at you funny. And, you know, be very careful of the people if you are – diagnosed or newly diagnosed or going through it be careful who you talk with mm-hmm. I mean, you know they might have the best intentions but the worst thought well and i think you have to do your own research and mm-hmm. you have to ask questions mm-hmm. ask questions of your doctor ask questions of other people that have been through it and what they experience because i i get every time i make a post about my diagnosis or my treatment or what i'm feeling at the time i get tons of dms from people saying you shouldn't be doing that don't do that you have to do this go yeah. do this it's like they're not doctors. No. You know, and I had a friend tell me that guy, the doctor you're going to, the person you're going to is the one with the degree on the wall. Like he's not, not that he's the end all be all, but I would follow his advice first and then do your own research. And that's what worked for me. But yeah, you, you will be bombarded by people that all have an opinion. Or they all listened, think you should do it one way or the other. Or they've listened to something or they've wa- they've read something mm-hmm. on Facebook and, and they all have good intentions. Great intentions. Great yeah. intentions. But you know, it'd be like me coming in here into your office today and telling you how to do some advertising. That's your specialty. That's your doctor special. That's what he does every single day. Right. You've got to trust them. Now, you also have to know mm, that's not going to work for me. Right. You know, like we, I had a bad experience with one doctor and I got up and left. Yeah. But it was my gut feeling that I have learned now that I'm not going to let go bye-bye. Right. Because I'm going to be embarrassed. Yeah. I'm going to go, no, uh, that's not for me. Thank you for your time, but I'm going to I'm gonna move forward with something else. Right, and yes, you're right. And I, right. I think, I mean, I go into my doctor's appointment every time with a phone full of questions. Uh-huh. And he laughs at me, goes, you got any more questions on that phone? And I'm like, nope, you've covered them all. Uh, yeah. But I have questions going into it, and as soon as I think of one, I write it, you know, I put it in my phone, so I have it with me, and I, I pull it out, and I open it up, and I ask. And that's, that's how I handled it, but I think you have to take the command of your own body and your own diagnosis and your own treatment and yes he's the expert and yes he's going to guide you like you said he's the captain of the ship you're the captain of the ship but he's going to guide you in the right direction and tell you this is not good this is but at the end of the day you can decide you can say nope i'm not doing that exactly well i think an example of that because i was having uh, a lot of trouble with nausea during my 
during my treatments and meeting with the doctor and we've tried you know eight different prescription medicines that weren't working and so she called in a test um, and I gained so much weight and at, you know every every week I'd go and gain another six or seven pounds and I would complain and they'd go it's it's the type of, type of chemo you're on it's the steroid it is what it is and then finally she came in one day and said okay it's out of control <laughs> we got to do something else so they ran a test on my thyroid but as I was explaining to her like how I was reacting to treatments even the day of treatment and I said you know I sit there and I see everybody else getting up and you know you wheel your little cart with your IV bags hanging on it to the bathroom well I didn't do that and here I was getting loaded down with fluid oh, wow. and she goes Lisa you cannot compare yourself in any stretch to anybody else in that room she said even if they're taking the same exact protocol that you're on the exact chemo their pre-meds might be different. One of them might be on a diuretic because the chemo that they're on affects their kidneys. So they have to do a diuretic, which is going to make them travel right. to the restroom more often. She goes, this is your journey, which I hate that word journey. I and if I had one that. more person ask me about my I'm journey. I mean, all I want to think about <laughs> is the group. Don't don't look at the road. I just want to, yeah, I love yeah. journey. Don't mess up my word. Yeah, I hate <laughs> that word. Um, she goes, this is your own. You're walking it by yourself on your own. They're walking theirs on their own by themselves. So you really can't ever compare any aspect of your diagnosis and your treatment with somebody else. And, boy, it's, it's so true. I mean, we're sitting here talking before we started this today, and our our journeys have been completely different. Absolutely. And, and that's why I had some questions about my chemo. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, well, this has worked best with 80% of the people. And I'm like, well, what if I'm the 20% and you've given me the, all this toxic chemo and I fall into that 20% isn't there a test to see if my my uh, tumor is going to respond to this chemo and he's like no we just have to go by the numbers well I didn't like that answer right so I went and found a test yeah and I found the chemo that worked best they took my tumor cells put it in a petri dish and tried 41 different things supplements treatments radiation everything and they gave me a report that said this is what your cells responded to. Mm-hmm. This is what they didn't respond to. Now, it's not here in the United States, and I'm not here to promote that. But that was my peace of mind. Right. That's what you had to do. And to that's what I happen. had to do to yeah. walk in that door and continue treatment. They always say in the chemo world and the radiation world, this is the price you pay for life. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to Absolutely. grasp onto. When you've been healthy your whole life and you hike and you run and you, you know, go do anything you want and you, you pick up your grandkids and, and now this is the price I pay for life. So it, you've, it's slowly you do grasp onto it because you appreciate life more. Yeah. You know, when I was first diagnosed and I talked to the surgeon, he said, well, you're going to have a bag, you know, um, you know, a poop bag, you know, and I'm like, no way, leave me on the table, I'm not going to do that, and he just looked at me, and he said, you need to get a change of attitude towards this, this is what's going to have to be done, and he told me, um, when I went in for my, after my chemo and my radiation, he told me, I'm going to be honest with you, when you first came to me, and your tumor was so large, I thought in my head, this poor girl's going to have the bag the rest of her life, and he said, I can't get over how much your tumor has not only shrunk, but shrunk upward where it gives him more room. Because when you get colorectal cancer, there's not a lot of room down there. Mm-hmm. And so when you get colorectal cancer, their hope is when it shrinks that it shrinks up so they have more room to do surgery. So, you know, 
he's thinking very positively that this will be a great surgery and it's just going to be a temporary colostomy bag. And the reason they do that, that took me a long time to figure that out. Oh, why are they doing this? Well, you have to heal. Yeah. And when you're passing that bile, that is the most terrible thing for infection, so they have to let that heal. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I think that um, I, I, what we've talked about, everybody is so different. And mm-hmm. so I think, it, like in my case, and I think yours too, is that we were healthy. We did treat our bodies well. We ate right. We didn't smoke. We didn't do any of that no. stuff. And so then when your body, then you do have it, you feel betrayed by your body. You're like, listen, people, I've been working hard for you. I've been taking care of you. How can you do this to me? And it, you know, obviously it's, it's something that you're, it's out of your control. So then once you get it, then it's like, okay, now how am I going to fix this? I got to get better. So we got another segment we're going to do. It's called Beauty Blender. Mm -hmm. And I, I want you to tell me, then I'll tell you what I did. But I, as you're going through this, obviously you feel awful. You, (laughs) you you wake up every day you feel sick yeah. what what did you do as women and single women that are you know we obviously are professionals in the in the workforce and so you have to get up and you have to look good every day or at least try to look good mm-hmm. even though you when you're feel tired. horrible mm-hmm. and I was bald so yeah. I had a wig which was I know you did did you lose some hair oh I lost a lot of hair I have a lot of hair but I did lose a lot of hair and I looked somewhat like a frizz head <laughs> But, so, but you started here. But it's, but so the point of this is, what did you do? Did you do anything during the first treatment? You still have more treatment to go, so you could still, you know, do something that made you feel better about yourself. Took care, you know, did something different that you wouldn't have done normally. I know you bought a lot of equipment to kind of help. I you did with that process. I, you know, I've never been one to take care of myself. I mean, yeah, I'll beauty. You know, I'll put makeup on. I always like to appearance wise. Right. But I was doing more things to feed me internally, to help my mood, to, you know, surround myself with good influence and not be around people. And, and I was using my time wisely. And I'll never forget, um, I was going through radiation. I had to go every day, okay? And it was at 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you're tired. And I'm not a morning person anyway. <laughs> and it's only, you know, you're only there 20 minutes. Right. But I was dressed up. Every single time I went and I walked, I'll never forget the very first time I walked, because it was cold, it was cold when I went, I walked briskly from the parking lot to the building and I promised myself no matter how bad I felt as this, not journey, but as I went through, Mm -hmm. I would walk briskly to and fro and I was, had the flu. And I still made myself walk, and it made me feel better. And I reminded myself to stand up. And when I quit the treatment, the front desk girl goes, I am going to miss you because you always come in here. You're dressed to the nines. Everybody, like, is she sick? Yeah. You know, and they're like, "Do you, are you a rep or are you sick? And I'm not boasting at that. But no, it, no. It's what it you have to do. It took me. I had to do. And yeah. I and I liked it because I wasn't going because there were so many people there that it's came depressing. in their sweatpants and yeah. I know and I'm not putting them down they you know they didn't right. feel good it's they might they have felt. been way more sicker than I was yeah but while I could I was gonna going yeah. to yeah I did know? the same thing I mean I felt like oh it's the worst I've ever felt but I'd get up that morning and I'd slap that red wig on my yes. head and I dressed the first few times I went in comfortable I did wear sweats I wore tennis because right. I thought I'm going to be sitting there for eight hours I'm going to be comfortable. And as 
you know, I think you dress how you feel, and I think you feel exactly. how you dress. Exactly, you feel how you dress. And so I thought, nope, I'm not, that's not going to be me. I'm mm-hmm. going to dress up every day. I'm going to put my makeup on. I'm going to paint my eyebrows on. And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't wear eyelashes because I'm allergic to the glue, so I went eyelashless. Yeah. But I still went every day. And, I mean, I had people, same thing, that actually thought I was one of the caretakers yeah. versus one of the patients. Absolutely. Because it is a depressing place to go. There's a, very, a lot of very sick very people sick. that can't get dressed up because they physically cannot do it. But I decided that that's what I was going to do. And it makes you survive that sickness because, you know, as you've probably got coming to you, it's brutal mm-hmm. and you just feel horrible and you're when you walk I was always laugh at myself because I would go in with a chin and I'd walk out with six chins because by the time <laughs> you're full of fluid yeah you know and the steroids and everything I literally look like a bullfrog on my way out which I didn't look like going in and so you feel so ugly and you feel so you do awful. and it was it's odd I, I don't know if people expect you to look really bad when you're going through oh, this they, illness, yeah. and I think they do, and then when you prove to them they're not, the, and they look at you with shock, you look so good, and then you can almost hear them whisper for having cancer. Right. Or they say, I had a lot of people say to me, you know, Lisa, if I didn't know it, I would not know you're going through it. Absolutely. And so then I also think the flip, the negative side of that is that they, they expect you to just act like normal, because, well, you look good. Yes. You must feel good, because yes. look how well you look. Yes. Well, it's like, well, I spent an hour and a half trying to look like this. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, a, this is a lot of work, because I looking, feel horrible. Or you're like, duh, did I put too much makeup on for 8 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Do I look, you know, like I was up all night? Just keep, don't let cancer define you. And it's hard not to because mm-hmm. you want to sometimes have a pity party <laughs> oh, yeah. or be comfortable to go. And that's okay. Yeah. But I remember when I was first there and I'm sitting in the waiting room and I'm the youngest one there. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm one, and time. Then, then I went again and then there's somebody younger and I'm like, well, look at that. Yeah. You're not the youngest one. There's people. This has no uh, race. No. No. This no does no age. If you're rich, poor, black, white, purple, yellow, cancer affects everybody yeah yeah. and so when i would go there i would just i would pray for a hedge of protection over that entire room yeah and it made me feel better so that's something i did as well as i would sit there looking at all those poor sick people but i would smile yeah and even if it was a fake smile it made them feel better and they would come and talk to me it was like it was like a magnet yeah and they everybody knew my name and i never you know it was just like what's she here for it's funny because I, I did a couple other things. One, I, I took a friend with me every time because uh-huh. I had, you know, I was there yeah. six and seven yeah. hours. So taking a chemo buddy is the best thing yeah. you can do. And taking your fun friends too because I took friends that literally had me crying from laughing so hard. I mean, we were the fun cubicle. That, that's awesome. Because you're in little cubes that's during a good idea. chemo. You have to have somebody with you. You might be one of my friends. I'll go. I, will, I was going to tell you that earlier. I'll totally go with you. Uh-huh. I mean, I would love to go with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's. I mean, it's it's a crazy time, and but it, you but you do need somebody there. You need someone to go get your lunch because yeah. you're there through lunch typically, right. and you do get hungry for whatever reason sitting there with IVs. You would think you wouldn't feel hungry, yeah. but you get really hungry, um, and so you definitely need a friend to go with you. And um, I had one friend that brought a whole uh, chemo bag of stuff. She had crackers and water and candy Aren't and magazines. wonderful friends wonderful how I do you think of these you. things I'm i had the best friends that came through and the other thing i did which i needed i felt i was so sick i was deathly sick from the day i got chemo till the next day i right. got till the next week i got yeah. chemo 
I would go every Saturday. I got chemo on Friday, so I spent my Fridays getting chemo, and then Saturday I would go get a facial. And it was my time at the spa for an hour facial. I'm getting one tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's it'll save your mm-hmm. life. It. I had the the best esthetician, which I'm actually going to bring her on here because mm-hmm. she. I'm going to tell you this real briefly because I, she saved my life. I swear. I showed up the first day and I didn't know her. I'd never met her before. I just made an appointment, and um, I did it on Friday after my chemo because I was so sick. And I walk in, and of course that was in my crying time that I cried every time I talked about my cancer. And so I immediately started crying because she said, you know, they always ask you, well, what's what's your skin type? What's your goal? What are you hoping to get from this? And of course, immediately started crying and told her what was going on. And she looked at me. She's 22 years old and said, I want to help you. I'm going to help you through this. Well, I scheduled a a facial every Saturday. That's what I did after the day after my treatment. And the next week I go back, she has done all this research. She's determined what products I can use and what I can't on my face. She's talked to the owners. She, you know, she's now going to learn about chemo and what she can do. And she saved my skin. I mean, and she saved my, she saved my dignity every day uh-huh. i mean every saturday i walked out of there and as bad as i felt and the girls at the front desk tell me now they're like oh there were days you'd come in here and we knew it was a bad day but she said you came you always did you i you know she, we could always see the brightness in your eyes even though you felt so bad but i will recommend if you think of something like that do something for yourself mm-hmm. after treatment because that next day is it just goes down yeah, from there yeah. and everybody's different and you may not have the same reaction well, ask you. It's a segment I'm going to call. I'm calling. Can you not? This is not to insult anybody, or it's not to make fun, but it's just things that I experienced when I tell someone I was diagnosed. And I just kind of want to make this kind of a lighthearted way to end our uh, <laughs> podcast today. Can you not? So I'll give you an example. Two, two. I'm going to give you two examples, and if you can think of one while okay. I'm talking. So for one, can you not tell me when I've told you I just was diagnosed with cancer? Can you not tell me about your aunt that just died of the same cancer? <laughs> Every single time. And then they go, but you know what? She didn't go to the doctor for a while. Well, yeah, neither did I, sister. So it's like every single time. Don't tell me about your mom that just died of uterine cancer. I'm trying to just figure out how I can survive on my own. I don't need to know. You know, and and everybody means well by it, but just don't do it. And I know you've got to think about it. And the other thing is don't, and it's happening even, it happened this past weekend, you don't get to touch my little bald <laughs> head and you don't get to touch my new growth on my head. Don't. Can yeah. you not touch my head? Yeah. People automatically um, reach up and, and want to touch my hair because I've got this <laughs> peach fuzz on my head. Oh, I think it looks gorgeous. Well, thank you. But it's like, you don't, you know, even I had a client go and rub my head. It's like, would you have rubbed my head if I had my normal hairstyle? Like, no. No. So. You can't do that. <laughs> no. So no. those are my two, if you have any. Uh, similar, very similar. You know, they start in all joy, and then they're like, well, but he died. And I'm like, oh, he had great results. He had the surgery. He had this. But I said, well, how's he doing now? Oh, oh he, he died. died. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so, and people, I know they're just trying to help. They so, are. And, and I know, but, um, yeah, I, I made the. I don't know if it was a mistake. I wanted to talk with somebody who had been right before me, and and she was a little explicit on having an, a colostomy bag. 
telling me how hers busted at the movie theater and I'm like oh my god don't tell me that I already wanted to stay in my house and she told me how to you know that she had to get all these tights and cut holes and that I better start investing in big clothes and I'm like it's gonna be summer so don't do that yeah it's funny and I I mean I and I mean that in all in all you know it is funny and you have to take it as funny like yeah okay i've heard this you know or i know i should be taking uh, this monkey juice that you know everybody else in africa is doing and it's cured all these people and no i i'm not going to do that probably not yeah Yeah. (laughs) well we've gone for way over an hour or hour and five minutes so i guess not over but um uh it's been fun yeah thank you for being candid and open and sharing your diagnosis because i know I don't know if I could have done it in the middle like you are now, but um, I'm glad you were able to come here. And um, I hope I can come back when it's over and tell you the, and this is the rest of the story. Maybe we'll even podcast from the cancer center because I'm coming with you. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be one of your chemo buddies. Okay. Because it's fun. I mean, you can make it fun. And the thing that I, real quickly, we're going to keep going if I don't stop, but um, the volunteers out there, she's going to go to the same place I went for the, you've yeah. been there already, yeah. but you haven't mm-hmm. been in the, in the chemo right. room. The volunteers are amazing and they are so fun. And I've got some, they've become some of my good friends. Oh, and so, awesome. and the chemo nurses are, are crazy amazing. You so know, they're born with that gift. They have to, yeah, mm-hmm. they have to be. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have fun. I'm going to be your chemo buddy well, thank for you, sure. Lisa. I appreciate You're welcome. That. Thanks for coming. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh.